Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael, and today we are joined by Kayla May. Kayla, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I am just excited to hear your story today. But before we get there, do you have a favorite ice cream? That's hard because I love ice cream. Okay. Um, but I have. I don't. might not have a favorite flavor, but my favorite place to go is Klein's. Okay. So new ice cream places have not swayed you away from Klein's? No. Uh, She's true and faithful, like yeah, like like, like Grayson is to vanilla ice cream. Yeah, like Klein's. he's not going to sway away from vanilla or Klein's. Uh, I'm me, not that picky as long as it doesn't have any nuts. In it. Really, I like something crunch in it. You have to have like smooth. I like guess can it have other things in it? It just, can have other crunchy things in it, just not nuts. Okay, okay, that's good to know. Well, Kayla, just start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. Okay. Uh, well, I was born in a um, in the small town of Bath, New York, um, which is in the western part of the state. That is um, kind of it's south of Rochester, around Corning. Uh, some people know where Corning is because there's a big glass museum there. It was my parents and my brother, so it's just the four of us. We, had, my parents, had moved up there due to my dad's job, um, and then that's where my brother and I uh, were born. But my parents are originally from here in the valley, and so I. A lot of times, like when I was growing up, I we spent a lot of time traveling back and forth. So mm. even though I was born in New York, the valley has always also been kind of a home to me too. I grew up in the church. My parents took my brother and I to church every Sunday. We were very involved in church. We went to youth group. We went to Sunday school. We went to the service, and I remember back before all the technology improved, you uh, click the slides for the mm-hmm. music. We got to do that, so I thought that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were in that church for for quite a while, um, and we all of a sudden, our pastor left. He got a new job, and we got a new pastor, um, and it was a female, and that's kind of where my faith started to grow because she poured her heart and soul into the children and into the youth of the church and she created again she kept it going with with a youth group we did like a confirmation class without the intent of joining the church it was more about let's get to know more about um, our faith and about Mm -hmm. our denomination and so that's where that was and then um, something happened again I don't know all of the details because Mm -hmm. I was young Um, And sometimes adults don't always share things with their kids. Um, But she ended up leaving. We don't know why, but my parents, it was enough for my parents to say, we need to leave the church too. We don't agree with what happened here, even though we might not know. So we left and went to another church. And so same thing there. It wasn't the same as our previous church. It was very different, but same thing there that we got um, involved in the youth group and um, very much develop a group so to speak Mm -hmm. you know at school because my high school is very tiny so uh, we it was easy to find uh, friends of faith Mm -hmm. in my high school Mm -hmm. and outside of church um, one of my really good friends had a family member and they started a group of teens Christian teens that met 
we would pick a book and we would read the book throughout the week and then we would go back and we would talk about mm-hmm. it and it would be like kind of like our fellowship time outside of school, outside of church, mm-hmm. just um, a different kind of community. Yeah. And with that group, um, it expanded my faith even more because it allowed me to go to uh, Creation Fest mm-hmm. in 2004, which is in Pennsylvania. It was one of the best experiences I think I've had because I was surrounded by people my age, people older, who were Christians as well, and we really got to pour our heart and soul into the music Mm -hmm. um, that was played, and they had different activities as well throughout the days there. We camped out, so we were there 24-7. It was a lot of fun. Probably a faith building. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I still remember a lot of those times when I think back. You mentioned the worship. What sticks out about that when, like, you all worship together, right? Yeah. It was more of, like, a collective, like, we're all, we're worshiping, but it was more, it felt more of like we're all brothers and sisters. Mm. That's kind of what it felt like. Okay. And we were all there for the same reason. Yeah. And we all, we came from different backgrounds, but we all came together to know that we were going to sit there and we were going to praise him however we felt we needed to. Yeah, that's powerful. So that was your teen years. Mm-hmm. Somehow you ended up back in the valley. Yes, I did. So I, um, the valley has been my home. And so I... I was adamant growing up through school that when I graduated from high school, I was coming back to the Valley, and that's what I did. I applied to JMU in Bridgewater because I'm like, I'm not going anywhere else in Virginia. That's where I'm going. And I got into JMU, and I've um, that's what brought me back to the Valley. So did your parents come back? or They did not. They, well, they just, they did. They just recently came back Okay. Um, in June. So they're, I mean, they're close. They're in West Virginia, but they're still, they're still close. Okay. And then after I... I went to crew. I was part of crew at JMU. Okay. Um, So that was um, a good experience for me because it allowed me to kind of get away from the typical college life, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah. um, And focus on myself and my relationship with him. I graduated JMU um, a semester early, thankfully, because I had enough credits um, to... Uh, transfer in when I was a freshman Mm -hmm. from high school. So I earned those credits in high school. Um, And I decided to um, take some classes at Gallaudet University up in D.C., which is the deaf school up there. Mm -hmm. Upon graduating that, I um, went to Radford and I got my master's in special education. And then I came back to the Valley. So when was that? Like how many years have you been back? See, I got a job just north of here, my first job in 2012. Okay. And then I moved to Harrisonburg about four years ago. Okay. Three three years ago. Okay. So you haven't been back in Harrisonburg very long. No. I didn't realize that. So you mentioned that you uh, studied special education, got your master's, I believe you said in that. And you mentioned you got a job in Harrisonburg. So anything you want to share about that or, you know, that brought you kind of to Harrisonburg? Oh, that's quite a long story how I got to Harrisonburg. But it all began seven, I guess, seven years ago. The story started, um, I had dated uh, my daughter's dad for six years, um, and then we got married after seven. Um, We were working in the same school division, and we had talked about, I mean, we were both Christians, we were both of faith, we both had went to church, so um, I thought that we had been equally yoked. But a year into marriage, um, things started to change. He started going through a really dark time in his life, a stressful time. Um, And he chose to lean on somebody else Mm -hmm. that he worked with. And so it grew very stressful 
Um, he informed me that he no longer wanted to be married, um, that he was ready to move on. Um, in the midst of all this, I got pregnant. So that's kind of how it started. It's kind of, it's a long story, um, but it was very emotional. Um, I did everything I could in my power as a Christian woman to try to save my marriage. You know, at one point, I, I asked him, I said, where's your faith in all this? So you're finding solace in this other person, but where's your faith in all of this? I know that this isn't your, these aren't your roots. These aren't your, it's not your background. Um, and the answer I got was not what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. So my house became two believers living together to a believer and an unbeliever mm-hmm. um, living together. And things just started to progress between these two. And I just was kind of left. Like, mm-hmm. what do I do? And so, um, and I didn't just speak with him. I also got a chance to speak mm-hmm. with her. And I said to her, something is going on with my husband. I have no idea what it is, but I need time and space to figure it out so we can save our marriage. And the answer I got was not what I was expecting. Mm. It was basically that's not going to happen. So it was just really, it was a, it was a hard time, and I, I just I found myself lost, um, not knowing what to do, you know, because we'd been together so long. But we all coach and within the school system. Um, they coach soccer, I coach softball, and we all coached for the same high school. And, you know, and things that were, things were happening within the school between the two of them because they had worked together. Um, and so I was living with it at home, and then I'd go to practice. And I was living with it at practice, too, because the girls I were, was coaching were witnessing all of this. Mm. And so it was being talked about at practice, too. And so it was just, it felt like a situation where I just couldn't escape it. Yeah. I couldn't escape it. And there were nights where things would get so tense, stressful, um, that I just knew I had to leave. And so I got in my car and I drive. I have no I had no idea where I was going. I mean, I didn't go like 20, 30 minutes away. I would yeah. just drive around town. Every time that happened, I ended up in the church that I was attending at the time. I'd park in the parking lot. I'd cry. I'd sob. I'd pray. I'd cry some more. And then I'd find myself at peace enough to go home. Mm. So that's what I did. But... Every time I needed to get away, that's where I found myself, yeah. was in the parking lot of the church. Yeah. And so then um, our daughter uh, was born. Um, my blood pressure had shot up because the situation was so stressful. And so they decided they needed to bring her into the world a little bit early. Mm-hmm. But 37 weeks, five days, she's healthy, yeah. healthy mm-hmm. baby. And that I have to be thankful for because even though I was extremely stressed with everything going on in my life, my pregnancy was easy. I had yeah. no complications. I didn't have morning sickness. I didn't have any medical health issues. I had nothing. She was just a healthy baby. And I have God to thank for that because right. I was going through turmoil, but she was safe. Yeah, that is a blessing that it didn't affect. To have that compounded with morning sickness at all, God, <laughs> God, God did bless you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, that's very difficult. So what did it look like for a young, single, so to speak, mom, you now have a baby and your life is has fallen apart. Like what? And I know it was dark for you. And as a believer, we find ourselves in dark places. It's amazing, uh, you know, how you being able just to go to the church um, during your pregnancy, you know, during those times. But now you have a baby and um, can't just go out and drive any time of the night you want, right? No, <laughs> you can't. 
I mean, I did the best I could. I mean, my parents were still in New York. I do have family down here in the Harrisonburg area, um, and I was in Shenandoah County at the time, so it wasn't just an easy drive for them. But I, I did what I could. I went to church. I tried to get involved. I just did what I could to stay as close as I could be to Christ. And um, I tried to stay away from the negative thoughts that had been thoughts that had flooded my mind during that time of thoughts of not being worthy, mm. thoughts of, you know, feeling like a piece of paper crumbled up thrown in the trash can. Mm. Um, you know, thoughts that sitting at the top of my stairs saying, how can I throw myself down these stairs without hurting my baby? You know, I took everything in me to not go to that dark place. Mm-hmm. And I found that when I got home from work every day, she brought me joy. She brought me so much joy because she was a happy baby. And she always, I don't she just made me smile. It was yeah. like, that's kind of where I found my peace. Mm-hmm. Um, there were nights that she would just cry, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, can she just stop crying? I definitely had those nights, yeah. and that's probably why she's still sleeping in my bed because there were times I had to prop my hands up and hold her to get her to sleep in my bed, and then I could, you know, put my head mm-hmm. back in sleep. But I just did what I could and tried to be as close as I could to people that supported me mm-hmm. and reach out when I, when I felt like I needed something, which was hard because I'm not that person. Yeah. <laughs> Stubborn and tend to do things on my own. <laughs> so when did the move to Harrisonburg happen? So my position used to be a, like a regional position. So I work, I was employed by a division, but yet my, I could be pulled to provide services in different counties. And so I was pulled to Harrisonburg City, and I was driving to Harrisonburg City one day, and I got a call from someone, and they were like, hey, um, we have a position, and it's yours if you want it. And I kind of was like, I was driving, so I had to like kind of <laughs> hold back my um, surprise. Yes, hold back my surprise. And I said, "Really?" I said, "Are you sure?" And I knew that that's what I needed. I knew that I needed out of the place that I was in because I had constant reminders of things that happened, and you know, the process of forgiveness and healing and having to move on and. Um, of course, you see things that trigger feelings and trigger mm-hmm. flashbacks um, and memories. And I just knew I needed to get out. And I honestly thought that was God working because he knew I needed out. He knew I needed to physically get out of that yeah. environment and move somewhere that I always have called home. So I accepted the position and um, moved to Harrisonburg that summer. Wow. It's amazing how he does provide. That he sees us, that he is a God of compassion and that he brings hope into our life. And even when it seems like there's nothing happening, <laughs> something's happening, right? So, yes. So, um, I, <laughs> I love that shirt. Yeah. God is working in the waiting. Yeah. So that's um, an, uh, one thing that I had in my mind today, like before I came was, you know, when you go through situations like this, you often ask God, why? Like, why are you doing this to me? Like, why is this happening to me? Like, you know, and I'm, I've learned that that's not a question I feel like you should ask him right. because it's ultimately going to be revealed in his own time. Um, and I've learned through this experience that you just you just have to wait, just have to be patient. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while you're in the waiting, you have to worship. You have to give, mm. you have to praise him. You have to, you have to be peaceful. You have to be, um, you have to serve him. And um, it's a surrender. Yeah. yeah. It's not trying to fix it all, not wondering why, 
which I think he's big enough to take the questions. I think it's okay to ask. We just had someone in here that we recorded with that had asked why for a long time. And uh, God brought her to the end of her why, too. When you listen to uh, the testimony of Lenora, you'll get her answer to the why. Change the why to who. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about that. I'm thinking about that song by Maverick City, The Weight. And I'm thinking about that song, um, While I'm Waiting, that was in the Fireproof movie. Ah. I'm like, that's that's where my head goes. Yeah. So... What did that look like? How did God, what was God doing in the waiting? Like, tell us about it. I moved here, and I remember I started thinking about forgiveness, and I started thinking about how can I move on? I have a new start here. How can I move on? And so I did a lot of research about forgiveness, and I did a lot of research about, um, you know, how do you move on from this? And I read a book, well, most of the book. I'm still in the process Mm -hmm. of reading it taking me a little bit longer than I would like. But there's one chapter in the book where the author talks about the person who hurt you is also a child of God. Mm. And as humans, we say to ourselves, how can a person that hurt me that bad be a child of yours? You know, but it really, it was like a punch in the gut and said, you've got to forgive him because he's a child of God just like you are. And so that was one huge revelation for me. Another one was that you've got the action that happened, but then you have the effects, and the effects and the emotions are triggers. And so you're able in your heart to forgive, but you're left with these triggers, and you're left with these emotions. And, you know, we have to learn to deal with these emotions and these triggers when they happen. Um, And I remember asking God, I was on my knees in my room, and I said, God, why do I still feel this way towards him? Why am I still angry at him? Why do I still have resentment? Why? Why Why am I still feeling this way? I, In my heart, I've forgiven him. And so I came to HFCN. Um, I don't remember how long I was here, but I took the class um, that you have to take to become a member. Mm-hmm. I took that class, and that's where I met you. And so as they're giving the presentation of what um, HFCN believes, and I'm hearing we don't believe in divorce. So I'm saying that that's the only thing I heard the entire class. Ah. The only thing I heard the entire class is we don't believe in divorce. And of course, I'm, of course, I still have guilt and shame because I grew up in a family where divorce, I, no, nobody in my family divorced mm. and nobody in his family had divorced. So I never, I mean, my parents showed us what a marriage looks like between a Christian man and a Christian woman, you know, and it just, that's what I wanted. And now I was in this, dealing with this shame and embarrassment of being divorced and um, I don't know if you remember on a little index card, I like wrote, you know, some questions mm-hmm. down for you. And I was mm-hmm. like, I've been divorced. Am I still welcome here? I remember was my you question. walking up and handing that to me. Yeah. So that question was on the index card and you didn't answer the question, <laughs> but you took the time and you prayed with me. And I'll never forget that because that opened a doorway for me to reach out to you when I needed something. And Lord knows I did that. And I was, I was broken. Mm. And but I was in need, and that opened a doorway for me to have someone in the church that I could reach out to. Mm-hmm. And um, so we had spent a lot of time um, chatting and communicating. And um, all of a sudden, I get this call from somebody asking me if I could join their life group. And so I'm like, I don't know about this because I am not 
social situations sometimes just make me nervous, especially in this new environment. Mm-hmm. And um, it was so funny because, you know, Tutwiler called me, are you coming? And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to come. He goes, well, I think you need to come. And I'm like, I don't know. And then he goes, my wife can come pick you up if you want to come. Like, I think you need to come. So I'm like, all right. So I just go. But And when I went, I met a the most wonderful group of people. Um, people that would come to be a group of people I could surround myself with and feel comfortable in my skin and who would help me grow my faith. And um, it was through the life group. Once I got involved with life group, that's when my healing really happened because I was surrounding myself with other believers. I was surrounding myself with people who could challenge me, but yet could support me at the same time. And... I feel like the wait is over for healing. And I'm so incredibly blessed and thankful for my life group. Yeah. And if some if people don't have a life group, I strongly suggest they find one because it is one of the best. You develop these relationships with people that are just so priceless, you know, and it's just it's a wonderful thing. And it wasn't until I got involved with life group that I truly started to heal. So I agree with you. Uh, my life group is precious, and being in the community, I mean, that's why Christ calls us to be a part of the body of Christ and to have community. And where two or three are gathered together, he shows up. Like, that's life group. Like, And it's not just him showing up to answer a prayer, but he does this work in our life when we give ourselves to that community. And I think from what I'm hearing you say, you were transparent in that community about what you needed. I think that's such a key point. It's so hard sometimes to open up and say, this is who I am, this is where I am, this is the baggage that I'm carrying. Uh, Because we don't want people to see that because we don't think that other people understand when actually there's other people that have been down that road too um, that can identify um, with you. And you get these connections with people that when you look at them, you go, I'd never connect with them, right? (laughs) Yeah, I never expected that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's Um, just the little joys, I think, and what God gives us when we are willing to be who we are and not who we want people to think we are. We're just mm -hmm. real transparent. Yeah, Yeah, and um, throughout my life, I've always been like, I've I've told myself, God, why can't my light, your light shine through me? What am I doing wrong? Like, why is your light not reflecting, (laughs) you know, when people look at me? And I just, I wasn't where I am now. And, um, you know, there's one verse through the entire divorce. I'm going to read it. It's from Romans. And it's interesting because this is a verse that popped into my head or that came to me over and over and over throughout my divorce. And then we were sitting in church a couple weeks ago and Pastor Adrian was reading James 1 and you know it talks about you know consider it pure joy when you go through trials and my mind immediately went to Romans where it says not only so but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us And I think that's something that I hung on to because that verse did give me hope. I was like, I am going through a trial, but yet if you just keep persevering and you just keep going, 
you're going to come out on the other end. Mm -hmm. You're going to come out healed and you're going to come out with a faith like you've never experienced Mm -hmm. before. And through the divorce, there were a lot of negative thoughts um, and things that went through my mind. And, you know, like I was at the time you think of who we are, you know, we're women, we're men, we're mothers, we're dads, we're children, we're sisters, brothers. Mm -hmm. And I had lost one of my identities of being a wife. And I was like, well, now who, now who am I? I'm a, I'm a woman, but I'm also a mother. And um, so when you think of all those negative thoughts of I'm not worthy and I'm not, I'm not, I guess just not for like, you're just not worthy. You're worth nothing. And I had to learn that my identity isn't found by what others had said about me. My identity is found in Christ. Amen. And it doesn't matter who at work says something to make me feel a certain way or what this person says or what that person says. I know at the end of the day that I'm a child of God and that his, it's his opinion or his view of me that matters. And so that's been a huge relief off of my shoulders and a huge part of my healing because I've been able to, to deep, I don't want to, I have, they haven't been taken away, but decrease those negative thoughts of, you know, you're not worthy or you can't do this or you can't do that. But you stop those thoughts and you say, no, you can't think this. You're a child of God and that's where you need to find your identity. Yeah. We have to take those thoughts captive. Yes. Um, You know, I was having a negative thought about myself recently and God so spoke to me a very direct, (laughs) he just spoke directly to me and he said, Margaret, you need to believe the best about yourself. And I think that's, it's hard because when other people tell us who we are, uh, we begin to believe that instead of leaning into the Word of God and believing that we are who He says we are. But that's that's a part of our faith, growing in our faith, and that foundation in, that we have in Christ becoming stronger as we lean on Him. And it does come through the suffering. Uh, a tree doesn't grow deeper roots if it's just all rain and no wind. You know, like... It's, you know, that perfect setting does not produce something strong, no matter what it is in nature or in us. And as hard as the suffering is, when we look back at that thing that caused us to suffer, a question that I ask people often is, would you want to be who you were before that happened? I certainly don't. I am much more proud of who I am today than I was back then. And when... I was younger and I'd ask God, why does your light not shine through me? Mm-hmm. Like I hadn't gone through something that really made me dig deep into the word and made me grow my relationship with him. Right. And I just, you know, you people sometimes think, why does God do this to me? Because I've had a lot of conversations with people, um, especially at work, about, well, I'm not a Christian because God allows bad things to happen to bad people. And I just, I say, no, but God uses those bad things as an opportunity to pull you to him and to get your attention and say, hey, come repent and come be a child of mine. Come and live in my kingdom with me. Yeah. Kayla, thank you for sharing today. And as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, all those thoughts where we doubt ourselves or might not feel worthy. Those are from the enemy. The Lord doesn't want us to feel that way. He loves us. Like you said, we're child of his. And just anything in closing today that you would like to share, maybe that you haven't shared already or that we haven't asked you already. Well, I think you you summed it up wonderfully. What you said was what I was going to say. You know, a lot of those 
negative things are from the enemy. And we have to be able to recognize that. But at the same time, we need to lean on God more and just people need to know that their identity is in Christ and that no matter what they go through, he's there and he's there to help pull you closer to him. It's an opportunity. So he chose you. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. You know, he chose you individually, you know, and you think about this Christmas season, like this Christmas season is going to be a little bit more emotional for me than past seasons because I know who I am in Christ. Like I know where my faith stands with him and, you know, people deserve that. Everybody deserves that. You know, I've listened to it. I've heard the song, but I haven't pulled it up and listened to it since you sent it to me. But the song Gratitude, mm-hmm. right? Just as we close, I think that's such an important thing that we have a heart of gratitude. Do you have just a sentence or two that you can say about your heart of gratitude? Because I can see it in your face that you're so grateful to God. I heard a phrase earlier today about gratitude. Oh, anger and frustration and gratitude are never in the heart at the same time. Mm. And so if you had to pick one, choose to be thankful um, and to have gratitude for what you have. Don't allow those negative thoughts into your heart because they they don't exist at the same time. Um, So choose gratitude and it will take you places that you never expected. Amen. Amen. Kayla, thank you for joining us for today's broadcast of Hope Talks. It's been great to have you. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. We pray that as you've heard Kayla May's testimony that it has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.